I really like to pray today for something that's really hot topic. Um, if anybody's uh, up on what's coming up with uh, a right for life, um, what we need to be doing is praying. Uh, there's a bill that went across the House. It has been passed in the House, and it's off to the Senate, and then it will go across the desk of the President. And what we need to do is make sure that we're, we're adamant about this. Now, I would like abortion to be totally banished, um, but that is something that we... We, uh, we will take a long time getting there. I know there's circumstances to a lot of things, and I'm not here to debate circumstances. What I am here to debate is the right for life. Jesus is forming in the womb of a mother a baby, and we don't call that sacred. I don't know what, if God's present in a womb, I would call that a sacred place. So anything that God does in a womb, we want to make sure that we preserve God's work. It doesn't matter anybody's opinion. It's about God's workmanship, and so... I'm here to stand for the right for a child. And so I want to make sure that uh, we'll be praying. There's, it's going to the Senate. I want to make sure we're praying for that. And we're going to do that this morning. Um, and we're going to pray that this is to do with a 20-week um, limit on abortion. So they found, uh, as scientists have found, that babies do feel pain at this point. And that's the reason why they're having difficulty. And that's the reason why the bill's there. I would like it to be a lot sooner than that. But 20 weeks at least gives us a chance to a start here. And so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we come humbly before you and our nation. It's clear back in the 70s when Roe versus Wade was brought before the Supreme Court. Uh, Father, from, from our nation after that point, over 60 million children have been aborted. And uh, Father, so we come before you humbly and, and ask for your mercy. And I pray for every person that might be in this place today that have gone through that painful decision. And we're not here to point out anybody, Father, and we're not here to, to point fingers. What we're here to do is love each other and, of course, try to protect the things that you're involved in, the things that matter to you. So, Lord, I pray for every person. Maybe there's, maybe there's people in a family, a family member, and even friends that have been through this. And right now, Father, they're... They're struggling. I pray first for them. I pray that they would find Jesus in all of the things that they're dealing with, Lord, would be answered in their hearts, that you would capture their heart. And Father, then I pray for, for this next step in this nation. I pray that our nation would become a nation united around simply God's workmanship, that we would not hinder, we would not interfere what God is doing in the womb. So I pray that this would pass in the Senate and it would go before the president and we would see our nation uniting around something that's crucial in your eyes, Lord. We pray that, believe, Father, that what we pray for has been answered in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to be praying for that. Look forward to, for all of us to sit. I, I have, anybody here go to the Campfield Fair? Who, who's Campfield Fair lovers of this area? <laughs> if you go at least once, you do good twice more, you might be considered one of the, I call fair nuts, but that's okay. My wife is one, and I love her very much. And I go and visit her once a, once a day there, if I can. And, uh, and so my son, there is a big millstone uh, you find right in the middle by the, by the big rock, we call it. And there's a millstone there. I realized it was, did anybody have no, noticed it there before? It's huge. And my son was standing on it. And, and I thought, boy, I'm going to get a picture of that. Um, we do know that in Proverbs, it talks about the training our children in the ways they go, the ways should go, and when they grow old and not depart from it. Let me tell you something. 
uh, as, as parents, make sure that you're, you're teaching your children. I, I say that over and over, but please take every moment of those times when your children are misunderstanding, either in rebellion or just immaturity, and take time to teach them. And teach them what God is saying and reason why the things that they're doing may, in fact, be wrong and harmful for them. Teach them God's word so they know it's just not coming from dad. You don't understand my life. It's coming from God's word that you can't, you can't uh, argue with. And so teach them, please. And, and if you're not teaching, you've got to understand something. It says, if any one of these little ones you keep from me, so if there's any time you can bring your kids to Jesus, you present them to be blessed. If there's any time that you're causing a hindrance for them to come to Jesus, it says better is a millstone. Better is a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea. I don't know about that. That is, that is really big words. Um, to me, it's better than a millstone. So tell me he's got, he, he wants our children raised in the ways of God. So take every moment. And if you've had your children already pass through your house and they're on their way, still pray for them and take moments when they don't understand. Keep guiding them in the ways of the Lord, and you'll see wonderful things happen with them. My son is sporting his little spider shirt. Isn't he a handsome young man there? Great teeth with uh, braces. He has a car. We call it there's a car in his mouth. Um, anybody knows expenses of braces? It's like, woo, dear Betsy. But anyway. Uh, we have him, and best we can do is help him in any way we can. <laughs> is anybody familiar with this item? Um, I, 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 was there, I was at a store the other day with my wife, and this, this man would take, and we had, some, we had some pieces of jewelry. My wife said, nah, I'm not wearing those anymore. Um, there might be some gold in them. And, of course, um, not like the gold rush back in the day where everybody's rushing to California. But, you know, you think, well, what good is it there when we're not using it? So she took a little handful of gold, and we went into a store, and he put it into this machine. And what's cool about the machine is it actually tells you what kind, if it is gold. First of all, he had a magnet. You know, if anything sticks to a magnet, it's not going to help you in any way. It's not good. But if it doesn't stick to a magnet, and he sticks it in this little device, it's kind of exciting to see little numbers pop up about what, you know, is money good? course it's good especially if you're not doing anything with the item you have and all of a sudden it turns into money and so uh, so I want to say this is that it's exciting to see gold turned money and and here's the price if you haven't been looking online the price of gold per ounce is over twelve hundred dollars now it has been better years past I think it's up to seventeen hundred but today is at twelve hundred now, I don't know if anybody here know what an ounce looks like. I've got it in my pocket. Five quarters. Do you know five quarters makes up about an ounce? So an ounce, take five quarters. If you have five quarters in your pocket, you take them out, and that's about an ounce. Okay, so five quarters. If you had gold about five quarters worth, you'd have $1,200 in your hand. Now, that's pretty exciting stuff. And so if you've got at home, you have things you don't have, need take that into that little machine and watch the numbers go up um, anybody have gold stashed underneath your mattress <laughs> write that down now um, some people feel very comfortable having some gold and some people talk about you know having gold today and it might be a good investment if you had it back in the 70s 
you would be very happy today, especially if you bought it back then, because if you watched the price of gold since 1970 on up to 2015, and that's the gold one, that's pretty nice. And all precious metals have gone up some, but gold has its own little mark. So if you're interested in that, good for you. Bible talks about gold, and that's what we're going to go into today. But, and there's five quarters, just to remind you what an ounce is. Anybody have an ounce of gold? Maybe you have an ounce of gold around your neck right now. Do you know that's worth 1200 bucks? It's in trade-in. Anyway, just, just, my wife, what are you looking at me for? <laughs> Did I do something wrong today? <laughs> I'm just, she called me weird. It's okay. I've been damaged, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep talking on your behalf. Pure, to be pure in thought, in heart, this is what I'm going to talk about today. Gold, pure gold. I don't know about you, but there is words in God's word that talks about purity, and it talks about remove the impurities from silver, and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. We know that God has a fire, right? Has anybody ever, can everybody ever witnessed the fire of God? What is it about fire anyway? Where, what, you, what? This is hard to light. Look at the wind. Isn't that cool? It's a nice breeze. Everybody comfortable in here? I just want to make sure. Isn't it? No, you're not comfortable? Yeah, you are. Okay. What is it about fire? And what is it as a child? You don't touch the fire, you get burned. Isn't it what? Fire is just like, it memorizes you, doesn't it? It just pulls you in into the flame. But this hot. I've been talking, you've seen a slide come up there about burning blue. I'm going to talk more about that as the weeks come. But fire is fascinating, isn't it? The fire of God looks like what? And what is it meant to do? What is God's fire meant to do? What does it separate? Anybody ever melt things down? You like throw a can in the fire and watch it melt? Or you want to see, is it wonderful that God's fire will melt, it will separate? And what separates in gold what is the what is the goal in gold to get the most pure isn't it the most pure is what is the most pure gold is it 18 carat or i know i don't know 24 carat is that the purest of all pure that's been burned and and the dross has been separated does anybody have 24 carat gold i don't even know what it looks like it's probably so soft what i don't know too soft it's just probably yeah, but anyway, it is fascinating. Proverbs 17.3 says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord, what? Tests the heart. Now, who here wants to fire God to make you all you're supposed to be? Let me see the hands of those who say, God, I want your fire. Make me what you want me to be. Now, do you know that God says to do that, to bring the fire in your life so it separates the gold and the dross to make you pure, what must happen? It says, I must test the heart. Now, how many people here says, God, test my heart? Okay, we just said that we want to be purified, that we want to be more like the gold or the silversmith has more of the silver he can use. We won't want the most purest of it, God. I want my heart to be cleansed and pure, right? All of our motive. But God says, I will test it to make it pure. Nobody wants the testing part. 
And sometimes the testing part comes in a very radical way. Sometimes it's very soft and subtle that you miss it. Other times it's just right there. I appreciate Pastor Teresa's word today about the heart and the preciousness of the heart. God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance, but he looks directly inside to the inner man, the place the holy of holies resides now in you and me. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? He creates the holy of holies in you. So when he comes in, when you say yes to Jesus, he comes in and he purifies that area. That area, the holy of holies, is where the spirit of God resides. And your life now has changed. And that is holy. So we would say that, that God, my heart, make it holy. Make the holy of holies a place where you can dwell that you will find satisfaction there. I mean, that's all of our goal as a born-again believer. But how does the Holy of Holies become a place that the Holy Spirit will dwell? There's a, we can give our life to Christ, right? We, we can bring it out there and say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. At that moment, at that moment of sincere heart, Jesus does make his resident with you. He makes himself resident with you in the what? The holy of holies, the heart of man. Now, does it stay? We can debate this. Some of the theologians, we can debate some of the denominations today. Does the holy of holies remain a place of holiness? Does it remain a place that the Spirit of God will dwell? See, that's an issue. If we just assume that because we made a move toward Jesus years back, and it was a very sincere move to Jesus, and then your life does not change or doesn't go in a direction he has called you to, does the Holy of Holies in you still give that Holy Spirit a place to dwell? Now that's a, I don't know about you, but the Bible says that he must test me to make sure that the heart is pure. He wants the good intention. He, he knows his plan for me. I may not understand it, but he knows it. He knows it for all of you. He knows exactly what he needs to do in your heart. He makes the change. How about you? But I want my heart to be a place for the Holy of Holies. I want it to be a place that the Holy Spirit says, that's where I want to dwell. And in that comes good work. One last one. It says Malachi 3.3. Gold will sit like a refiner. Or I'm sorry, gold. God will sit. <laughs> Excuse me. My mind is not there yet. God will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. That means what? Can your sacrifices unto God be acceptable if your heart is not there, if your heart has not been refined? See, that's the key. Let's go to Jesus. Let's have him refine us, then build us. Let us be able to be a place the Holy Spirit can dwell, but then let our sacrifices and praises unto him be white where they need to be. That's our goal as born-again believers. Let's go on. I want to take you to a story. Now, anybody remember the story of Jesus and the woman at the well? Who knows the story? How many people have read that over and over again? It's a beautiful story of a woman 
at a well at the wrong time of day. And Jesus takes notice of it. He walks, his course is weary and he's thirsty. He walks by the well. Disciples are not yet with him. He decides to step over and to sit down at this well. And we know he makes an encounter with a young lady who's in desperate need. And what's wonderful about the story is that Jesus notices and Jesus sits down. Jesus doesn't walk by. He doesn't cross over into the area he was going to go. But he stays in an area that other Jews would never find themselves. It's Samaria. It's an area with a well. And it's an area that they would not go. So why did Jesus stop? Of course, we know the story. And the story is about a woman who opens up. Jesus offers her a chance by saying, give me some water. And of course, she says, you are Jew, and I am a Samaritan. Why would you ask me for water? Isn't it, isn't it amazing? And of course, we know the story. Jesus makes it very clear. And then all of a sudden, he starts to reveal to her her life. He starts to talk about a husband. Well, go get your husband and bring him back. And of course, her response to that was crucial. She right then had to be honest with a Jew she did not yet know. And she said, this is not my husband. And of course, then he would say, I know. And basically name the past experiences she's had. None of these. And so then she was revealed. Her heart was wide open. It was an opportunity for Jesus to do something incredible. Now, I don't know about you. Let's go into this part here. Our fathers, here's her response to Jesus when worship comes up. You know, it's funny because as soon as a man is discovered to be in the church, all of a sudden the idea of what, how you view God and what God is to you, that comes up in conversation. Here, she was revealed of her sin, and she knows now he is a prophet. All of a sudden, it elevates this conversation to a place, not just a Jew in a Samaritan level, but now as a man who is a prophet who's able to tell me my life. And as soon as it was elevated, this subject of worship comes up. The worship, my, our fathers worship in this mountain, and you, it says, and you, you're, you people... <laughs> Say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She says, as a Samaritan, this is ours. And yet as a Jew, yours is someplace different. Question comes up about worship. What is worship? Of course, we know that to be today. What are offerings to Christ is our worship today. And so Jesus approaches that question. What's amazing, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, being a Samaritan, what they act on, what they've been taught. It says you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Which means that's where Jesus comes from. This is where Jesus' bloodline is. This is where salvation comes from, is from the Jews she is a Samaritan, misunderstanding that we worship here because this is what we understand as this kind of, this is all we know what to do. But you worship over here. Jesus makes it clear. As the knowledge of Jesus becomes clear in you, if you're brought up in the knowledge of Christ, you will know where worship resides. Salvation is found there. Of course, she felt at that moment 
when Jesus addresses that, that she misguided her and her people. And he says here, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father. What? This is one of the most profound statements Jesus makes about worship. It's found when he encounters a woman at the well, a woman who knew nothing about worship correctly. Didn't know the area, they understood that's where you worship as a Jew. We worship here as a Samaritan. But she has no clue where salvation is found. In this amazing encounter with Jesus, an hour is coming, and now is. It says the worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must Worship in spirit and in truth. I want to say this today. You have a style of worship in your life. Some of you don't know Jesus in here, I'm sure. To an extent, you know how or what that means. See, when you know Jesus, you come to know him in a crisis in your life, mainly in later in life, that's, what, that's how it happens. When you come to him, you still do not understand worship. You understand Jesus as Savior, but maturity takes you to a place of sincere worship. Why is that the case? Your worship could be extravagant, right? When you could, right when you get saved, say, Lord, you are good. You, are so, you have removed the burden of my life. I feel that you're involved in my life, and I know that you're true. But if you remain at that level, and you don't allow Jesus to take you into a place where your spirit, your worship becomes in spirit and in the truth. You will be misguided in your worship. So today I'm saying this. What does that look like? Now, I don't know about you. I've been in all kinds of situations of worship. I've been to live bands before. I've been to different churches doing different things. And I am not here to say worship looks like something. It does not look like a certain function or a certain thing that someone may do. Some may get excited about it, and they may move to the music because the music is moving them. Right, Robert? Robert likes to move a little bit, don't you, Robert? Don't get in his way when he's going back and forth. It's okay. He has a style that he enjoys, and in his style, if his worship is in spirit and in truth, God says, there is my place. I will dwell within your heart. Your heart is pure. You see, there's others that will look around and not finding that place. You'll stand there, and your heart will not be in tune, and you'll miss it. What does it mean to worship in spirit? It says God is spirit, so you must worship in spirit. It doesn't give us an ultimatum. It says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit. That's a challenge. Now, I was at a church one time, and I was having a good time in worship. All of a sudden, I was hit in the back of my head with a flag. Now, I know I'm not against flags in here, and I'm sure that was meaning a great deal to that woman. But for me, it was a disturbance I'm not here against flags if the woman was finding her spirit and truth in her ways then she has found a place that the 
Spirit of God will dwell. Her heart has been pure, and it's a good place. But if she's trying to get attention, and she's trying to be exuberant for herself, she's in trouble. You see, we're not here to show off. We're not here to jump up and, and knock people over and just say, hey, I've got it, and you may not. We are here to worship him in a spirit and in a truth. And we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't know about you, we miss something in our worship. If you choose to stand and not do anything with your heart, you're in trouble. God is calling you by a knock on your door. He has been calling you to be in communion with him. And what he's, he, thank God he doesn't give up. I remember my first steps as a Christian. And I didn't understand anything. And, and I remember, you know, I, I, trying to find a church. And a lot of the churches I went into um, were like my past church when I was a small child. And it wasn't a whole lot of music. It was just, an or anybody remember the organ and, and the hymnals? That, that's my experience. And I remember walking in the first church that was more than that. And I walked in going, oh, my. And, it, and I'm saying that it, it was different. And I'm not saying there's something wrong with a church that has just an organ. I'm telling you what. If that organ can play a music and those people can sing from their heart and their heart is pure and their heart is in spirit and they're singing truth, I'm telling you, it is good worship unto the Lord. He doesn't look at style. He looks at hearts, doesn't he? He doesn't look on the outside. Does he not look at the inside? And so we have a lot of discrepancy where everybody's looking for their flavor. And I understand people will keep looking to make sure they're comfortable. Don't, don't try to find your comfort in the music. It's not found there. No find, find comfort in, in how exuberant the, this part is or, or that. Or maybe I'm just used to going in and everything's quiet. I'm telling you, you must learn how to worship God who is spirit in spirit and in truth. And you and I both know there's a lot of truths out there that aren't God's truth. So we must be very careful on how we view those things. And if someone in here gets excited and often that may happen, let's just celebrate with their excitement. You know, that, to me, that's exciting to know God's moving in them. And if anybody here is trying to get attention and it's all about you, stop. It's not about you. Never was. What we need to do is this. God looks for unity in his body. He looks for those who put others before themselves. That's what he looks for. The pure heart is this. The one who loves says God is love. God is spirit. He really enjoys those who love each other and shows that love. So what we need to do is find worship in all kind of love, right? Wouldn't that be the best? And anybody wants to, to dance, fine, dance. I got no problem with that as long as it's not about you. And if you want to, don't swing on the chandeliers. We don't have any. But if you want to get exuberant for God and your heart is open and you want to cry out to him, go do it. And the rest of the family here will rejoice with you. But if it's about you, stop. We, we've got to be a family that's searching after Jesus. Lifting our arms up to meet him and to feel him and to have him guide us in our lives. 
to accept the truth. If it, the word of God is opened at home or before you and you're reading truth, that truth is in spirit. You worship him as you read truth. And truth gets in your heart. Do you know that's a worship? You don't even have to say anything. Allow truth to enter. And as truth comes in, truth comes out. Let your truth come from a pure heart. Who wants this brownie? Is anybody out hungry in here? I got this brownie up here that I'm not going to eat. And it, honey, you want a brownie? And I didn't, I used a napkin. I've never touched it once. Napkin only. Anybody wants it can have it. Okay. Well, I'm going to pray today for all of us. And I'm going to ask you a question. And I understand perfectly. I'm not here to put anybody in the spot. I understand perfectly beginnings. I, I, like I say, I remember when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't understand anything. When I went into that church that was more exuberant about worship, I felt a little bit uncomfortable. I did. And I felt, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> to the point where someone said, thank you, Jesus. I went, oh, you just interrupted the pastor. I mean, it was just, I wasn't sure about all that. I just wasn't sure. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Well, I don't want to, here, listen to me. I want Jesus. And as I take a step, if I'm not sure about that, I'm going to ask my Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm not sure about it. I'm not going to stop a sovereignty move of God because of my lack of understanding. I'm going to ask God, God, is this of your word? Is this of you? If it is, I want to be all in. I'm not going to hold anything against anybody. But if, I'm, if it's not, I'm not in it. I don't want it. Does anybody feel the same way I do? I just want authenticity. I just want real Jesus. I don't want anything made up on a Western view. I don't want anything from the European nations. I, I don't want anything that people make up. I don't want any of it. I just want him. And I, today I'd be a little bit confused. You know why I'm confused? Because denominations argue about things. Well, this is more important, that more important. Paul said it beautifully. All I do is preach Jesus crucified and raised again. That's, that's all that matters. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And then he, the Father rose him up again. And what he took with it? He took death, the sting of it. And now we don't have to suffer it. You know, that's all I know. And that's how I can worship. Paul makes it very clear. We need to find the real Jesus and follow him. And if he says, follow me, and I don't understand, I'm going to, Jesus, if this is you, I'm going to follow you. That should be in your worship too. We should grow in our worship. We should, we should find ways to show Jesus how much we love him. How many people love Jesus today? And if you love him, I am sure there's ways that you show him. There's ways how you pray. There's ways that you sit down and read his Bible. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. There's ways that you gather on Sunday morning and you show your exuberance to him. Isn't it good that we could do that? It's amazing. Let's get the real Jesus. Let's do the real thing and not get caught up in, in other styles. But Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. You took time to help a girl at a well, a woman who was lost didn't even understand worship. She would actually go to her mountain and worship, and she wasn't even in the knowledge of salvation. She didn't even know Jesus was sitting down with her. She called him a prophet. 
So, Lord, in her worship, no matter how hard and how big she made it, she wasn't there. It was only practice and it's only religion. We do not want to be about religion that was made up, doing things a certain way to get in certain heights. It's not about, it's about Jesus, your purity and your direction. But look what happened. She found Jesus. And through that, Lord, all the things were exposed. Her past relationships and her misguided worship. But God, you look at the heart. And that moment when she recognized finally that she went back to her hometown and said, a Messiah, I think we found the Messiah. Her heart changed. So Father, I pray today as we come to know you, if we make you the Lord of our life, Lord, I know that we'll know true worship. We will worship you in spirit and we'll worship you in truth. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to love you that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we start, I want to give you my testimony of worship. Um, as he was talking, I've grown up in the church um, like this. I've, I've grown up in the Assembly of, of God Church ever since I was a little girl, um, newborn. Isaiah 29, 13 says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. I want to tell you that as a kid growing up in church, um, I had a really bad image of worship because I was raised in the church and I was raised with kids that were with me and we were all church kids and you know we watch our parents in church or we watch other people and we learn by watching but then we learn by each other and I was watching these kids as we were choir brats running around the church while our parents were in choir and we were they were bad they were doing bad things in the church and I was witnessing this and the Holy Spirit at this point was new to me and talking to me and I was very upset because I would see these kids on Sunday morning raising their hands to God and worshiping him yet turning around and doing nasty things and I got to the point where it hardened my heart because I was I was like I'm not raising my hands I'm not worthy I'm not raising my hands and so when we would come to worship I started not worshiping God because I didn't want people to look at me and say oh well you know she's not living a life of worship it doesn't just start on a Sunday morning church worshiping God it is a life of worship everything that you do is worshiping God it's not just about music it's not just about singing songs it's not how you respond on a Sunday morning I am not gonna look and say oh you know they're not worshiping so their life is not right with Christ that's not what we do and that's what I had to learn as a church kid growing up that it is my relationship with God it's how I perceive God it's how I worship him during the week it is how I treat my parents it is how I treat my teachers it's how I treat my boss it's how I treat people 
that is worship unto God. So I don't, I, I want you to know that this is a personal thing of worship. It's a personal thing. And you may be, I can honestly say that someone in my family one time says, I am worshiping God in my own way. Just because I don't exuberantly show worship doesn't mean I don't feel it in my heart. And so we each have to find our own place of worship, our own spot with Jesus. So I, can, I encourage you today, start this journey. Start this walk with Christ. Start this, this whole process of learning how to worship him. It's about worshiping him in your home. It's about honoring your husband and your wife. It's about doing things that maybe your flesh doesn't want to do, but you know that that's what Christ would have you do. That is worshiping him. That is praising him with your body and your being, with your soul, with your mind, in truth and in spirit. That is worship. That's being in a spirit of worship 24-7. And then when you come here and we unify together in worship, there's this excitement. There is this, like, thrilling anticipation.